0: listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boo Media and Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boo Media and the Straight Up Saints Podcast. Now, this is a pivotal week five for the New Orleans Saints. You're kind of reaching that must-win territory in the sense that they're approaching their bye week just about – what, 10 days away at this point. And you have an important game against the Washington football team, which I'll talk about in just a little bit, because obviously if you're a Saints fan, you want to be three and two going into that bye week. You do not want to be two and three with Seattle and Tampa Bay waiting on the other end. So that's going to be a really pivotal matchup for the Saints. And obviously I'm going to break down what are the key one-on-ones in that game and also some storylines to watch, because I think that's going to be a really fun game. I know people are going to go into that one and think Washington, whatever, but I do think it's going to be a really exciting game for both sides. And obviously, both sides, two and two, who wants it more? That's going to obviously be a factor in that one. But before we do that, a lot of moves to talk about with the Saints. We have the kicking carousel going on. We have the running back rotation that's going to change now due to Tony Jones Jr. getting hurt against the New York Giants. You also have Stefan Gilmore going to the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to talk about that as you can see on the left of your screen with the rundown. We have an injury report, which is actually kind of a optimistic injury report for the Saints, which is a rarity in these parks, honestly, and then I'll get into my prediction and more about the Washington game. But let's jump into things. Let's talk about the kicking carousel because, man, we were fuming on Sunday. And by we, we, I mean every Saints fan, You, there's no way you finished that game and you wanted Aldrick Rosas to stay on the New Orleans Saints. Well, the good news is for anyone that was hoping that the Saints would make the change, they did. Aldrick Rosas is out, and it just makes me laugh because Aldrick Rosas was out, and you think about three, four days ago, whenever the game was, He attempted a 58-yard field goal, and it just blows my mind to think that the Saints were willing to let him attempt a 58-yard field goal. not saying that's why the Saints lost. They did not lose because he missed a 58-yard field goal, but it's just crazy to me. If you know someone's kind of on their way out and they're not that good at their job right now, why the hell would you give them a hard task? And kicking a 58-yard field goal is a pretty hard task to do. So, Aldrick Rosas out. In is Cody Double Doink Parky. And for anyone wondering why I just said Double Doink Parky, well, Look, guys, I'm going to get into the stats real quick about Cody Park and why you may or may not think he might be an upgrade over Algic Rosas, but I'll just put it this way. Going from a dude who's not very good at his job to a dude who is known for a kick in a playoff game that should have went in and instead bounced off the cro- off the upright and then off the crossbar and then hit the end zone and was off. That's not great. That's like if I go from crap to less smellier crap, I mean, that's that doesn't really do much for me just because it doesn't stink as much as the other one. It's still crap, so... I think the Saints kicking situation is an utter mess still. And I think it's going to be an utter mess until Will Lutz comes back. And Will Lutz, when he comes back, needs to prove that he's still Will Lutz. So I think the kicking situation is kind of in flux right now. And and I know a lot of people were optimistic that Cody Parkey could be an upgrade. And honestly, it, it's going to be really hard for him not to be an upgrade. The bar is so low. It is Nate Robinson low at this point. Because at the end of the day, Ro- Rosas made 25% of his field goal attempts in four games. 25 with the one coming in week one. So after week one, Rosas didn't make a field goal the rest of the season. So the bar is set extremely low for Cody Parkey. Yes, I think he will exceed that bar, but that's not saying much. You know, if I got a 72 on a test, I mean, yeah, sure, I passed, but it's a 72 compared to, if you're comparing to what might be a Will Lutz on his A game, like an 85 or a 90, the kicking situation is still a mess. So what about Cody Parkey do I like? Honestly, there's not much. I will say that his field goal percentage in terms of make is better Van Aldrich Rosas, but I noticed actually a glaring thing about Cody Parkey over his last two full seasons that he's played 2020 and 2018, 2020 with the Browns 2018 with the bears. He's actually had at least three misses in those seasons from the 30 to 39 yard field goal range. And I kind of feel like that's the range where you want to be automatic in. And then after that, when it's 40 to the 50 yard range, I think that's where people accept the misses. So that's what I will say. That's what I will say about that. I think Cody Parkey definitely has some, uh, shaky tendencies in that range my guy Jono coming down on the uh on the thing over here we need to win sunday bad because i don't think chris has been happy since. you know what's funny is i'm having a good time here i know i seem like very angry right now but i will say the saints have produced such good comedy and you would know because your skits are just mvps which by the way i'm just gonna let saints fans know from now if this man is free during the bye week i'm definitely having him on so we could discuss his skits because that has been one of the a plus material content things for the saints this season. But yeah, no, look, the saints obviously are entering muscle in territory. No, no, you know, beating around the bush there. And the kicking situation is going to be a key factor, especially when you get in these games where you're not that much better than your opponent. If not, you're at a deadlock in terms of what you are. And I think for the new Orleans saints, man, if they could get their kicking game on track, I think that's one way to kind of quiet the noise on people like me who love to complain about the offense. Cause at least if you could settle for three points, three points is better than no points. And Right now, the Saints can't even settle for that. So we'll see what happens there. But overall, kicking carousel, guys, going from Rosas to Cody Parkey does not excite me that much, not in the slightest. So I'm not really amped up about that move. Let's get on to the next thing, the Saints running back rotation. So Tony Jones Jr. gets hurt against the Giants. What does that mean? You got to make some moves because Alvin Kamara cannot have 55 damn touches in a game. So what do the Saints do? They sign Divine Ozigbo from the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. He is not a new face. He's a familiar face. He was brought in the Saints in 2019 out of Nebraska, ended up getting waived, goes to the Jaguars. Jags have a log jam at running back right now and a log jam of Irvin Meyer bad news, but that's another story for another day. And that means the Saints can go there and get Ozigbo, kind of get him on the cheap. And I think this is really good for the New Orleans Saints because I think Ozigbo is not only a guy that knows the system, but he's a guy who is going to do the little things well. I think he's a really exceptional pass-blocking running back when given the chance. I think he's a hard runner. Kind of brings that change of pace, which is something I tweeted about. I know a lot of fans, when they saw that the Saints worked out Duke Johnson, were like, hey, Duke Johnson's a big name. Let's bring him in. I don't disagree with that necessarily, but Duke Johnson's not a change of pace back from Alvin Kamara that much. I know Kamara's obviously way better, but Ozigbo is that tough, physical bruiser back. That is a change of pace. Now, Ozigbo's not the only running back coming in. The Saints actually added Raquel Armstead. Raquel Armstead's going to go to the practice squad, and this is a guy from Temple who I like. I actually thought that the Saints should sign him. I was actually pretty pleased that they added him to the practice squad. I don't know if he'll make an impact, guys. I can't lie to you and say he's going to make an impact just because I like his upside, but I think for the New Orleans Saints to take a guy who in his rookie year looked pretty decent, his second year doesn't get a play because of COVID-19 complications, which is obviously a really scary situation, I know he had respiratory system issues. I'm hoping he's okay now. I would assume he is for the Saints to take a shot on him. So we'll see what happens with Armstead. But you got to bring in running backs because Tony Jones Jr. is hurt. The only good news on the Tony Jones Jr. front, it's about a three- to four-week injury. I'm going to be honest. When they said the cart was taken out, I thought it was going to be a much longer injury for Tony Jones Jr. So the fact that it is just three to four weeks, I think that is actually good news for the New Orleans Saints. Now, before I get into the next topic, which is Stefan Gilmore, we're going to bring up a comment from the chat here. I know we should get over the Giants game and move on to the next, but it's hard to when every game now is a must win in our division. We shouldn't lose to cheap teams like that. Look, I think that is a big thing for the New Orleans Saints, and I think it's kind of been a big thing for the New Orleans Saints over the last couple years in terms of losing games that you should win because they kind of play up to their competition but play down to their competition, and that's not just a Saints problem. That's a problem for a lot of NFL teams. I know the Steelers are one of those teams, not this year. They're just terrible right now, but over the last couple years, they've had that issue where they play up to their competition but also down to their competition. So we'll see what happens there. I I, I will say this about the New Orleans Saints. It's a little bit different now. I feel like last couple of years when you lose a game like that, you're always thinking about, man, that's going to cost us the one seed or cost us the two seed. Now, to your point though, Joseph, this is just an interesting really thing because you kind of think if you're a Saints fan, you're like, you know what, this could cost them a playoff spot. So that's why all these games really do matter. And I know everyone likes to call certain games must win In the NFL, every game's a must-win. There are no games that you could take off. There's no games that you chalk up as an easy win. The league is too competitive. The league's too good. And for the New Orleans Saints, obviously, this weekend, just like any other game, should be classified a must-win game, and we'll see what happens there. But I am very excited for this Washington game. I do think it's going to be a fun one, for sure. Before I do that, I want to talk about what's going on in the NFC South because, man, there was a big, big big-time trade today. Stephon Gilmore traded from the New England Patriots to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a 2023 Six-round pick, and boy, did Saints fans have a lot to say about this. For starters, Saints fans were livid. A lot of people said, why couldn't we get Gilmore? How did we trade a third for Roby, but the Panthers traded a sixth for Gilmore? Who's better than Roby? Yeah, I think those were probably pretty much all the complaints. I just, you know, just wrapped them into one. But I'll kind of answer that two-way part. first. For everyone who doesn't know, the Saints went after Gilmore earlier this year. They called the Patriots. They wanted to see what they wanted for Gilmore. Didn't feel necessarily comfortable with his injury. Probably didn't feel comfortable with his contract either. And they backed out and the saints are lucky enough that a Debo looks better than they expected. And Roby in limited action against the giants looked pretty decent. And Ken Crawley will come back from his injury and Lattimore's doing his thing. So the saints cornerback depth is not a issue. Like it was was believed to be a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, as for the Gilmore situation, why he gets traded for six. Well, as the season goes on, I mean, it's week five. He still hasn't played yet. He can't play until week seven because he was placed on the physically unable to perform list, kind of like Michael Thomas was with the Saints, New New England had a decision to make. And it's, do we keep Gilmore, who is probably not going to play for us at this point, and we're paying a lot of money, when we want to make other moves, he's not really a fit. They got to that point where, yeah, the value today for Gilmore is not what it probably would have been if they traded him a couple months ago. If they traded him a couple months ago, they're probably getting a day two pick for him. I, I firmly believe that. But now you're talking about it's week five. No one really knows what he's got because he hasn't been able to play in terms of physical standpoint. I know Gilmore was a defensive player of the year. I'm not denying what Gilmore was, but you don't know if that's what he still is. And frankly, the numbers and the history of the NFL will tell you, he probably won't be. And then on top of all that, you have to take into consideration that he gets paid a boatload of money. So that obviously all comes into effect. Now, I'm not saying this is a bad move for the Panthers. Uh, on the contrary, I think this is a really good move for the Panthers and obviously a bad move for the Saints in the sense that now you have to deal with Stefan Gilmore in your division. But for people who are like, how the hell did this guy get traded for sixth? We've seen weird deals like this all the time. It almost always happens with New England shipping out a guy. But this is one of those moves where like the value just kept going down as the time went on because New England probably messed up in terms of whether they should have traded him earlier and, and whatnot. So I'm not really going to say, you know, why couldn't the Saints trade a six for Gilmore? Because let's be real. I, I think the Saints probably all, would have offered more a couple of months ago than a six. So I'm not going to bash the Saints here for, for not getting Gilmore. It's just really unfortunate that we kind of got in this situation where two out of like the three to four destinations for Gilmore were NFC South. Cause if, you know, if Gilmore didn't go to the Panthers, guess what? I bet the Buccaneers would have been calling his phone nonstop to see if he would join them with Richard Sherman and Carlton Davis and those guys they have in the secondary. So at some level, I was kind of accepting that Gilmore was going to be in the NFC South. What does it mean? Let's see. What Stephon Gilmore comes out is really going to be crucial. Because for the Saints, I think that at this point, if you're denying how talented this Panthers team is, then you're just being unfair. I think this Carolina Panthers team is going to be in a similar situation with the Saints where we're going to be around week 12, week 13, and if all goes well for both sides, they're going to be thinking about wild card. Because I still am under the belief that the Bucks are the class of the NFC South this year, not ever, just this year. And that kind of leads me to believe that the Panthers and the Saints would be battling for a playoff spot. So when the Carolina goes out there and makes moves like getting Gilmore, like getting Henderson, those could be the ones that kind of shift the tide and lean in their direction. So I think that's definitely something to consider. If you're a Saints fan, you're not happy Gilmore's on the Panthers, but obviously, let's see what happens. I know the Saints are going to get some talent back in the coming weeks. Now, no, one another comment I'm going to drop in here. People don't realize the Saints gave up a third for Rob because the Texans are paying ninety percent of his salary. Look, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is this also comes down to the whole salary thing I was talking about with Gilmore. Gilmore makes a lot of money. And I don't know if there's many teams out there that would be willing to spend a draft pick to take on the contract he already has. Now, had he been officially released, I think every team calls Stefan Gilmore today and says, okay, what can we work out for you? So I think it's one of those where I, I'm not really going to sit here and dwell on it. I think this whole situation flipped on its head over the last week or so when new England's like, all right, this at this point, he's not going to play for us anyway. So I'm not really worried about it. And frankly, the saints secondary put, put week four out of the picture, take week four out of the picture. The Saints' secondary has been light years better than what we thought it would be this season. And for that alone, I'm not going to sit here banging on the drum about man, the saints squandered a chance to get Stefan Gilmore. Now before I go into the injury report, let's get one more comment up here. All I can think today with the Gilmore news was why couldn't the Cardinals do this with Patrick Peterson in 2018 for us when it was clear he was going to leave them. That, honestly, I remember the 2018 trade deadline like it was yesterday in the sense that us Saints fans all sat there and were like, man, this is a team. Like, this is the team to beat in the NFL. And we all kind of knew that it was that sense of this is their year. And they kind of just needed that lucky break. Obviously, the lucky break didn't come in the playoffs, but to your point, it didn't even come at the trade deadline either when you have a team that knows they're not going to keep a guy and just hey unloads him. Didn't happen for the Saints. Would have been nice if it did. Obviously, us Saints fans would have loved to see Patrick Peterson in the black and gold. But anyway, guys, let's move over to the injury report. And for once in my life, I do not have a long list that's a CVS receipt worth of Saints players who are injured. It's not very long. It's literally just McCoy with his calf injury, Armstead with his elbow injury, and Lattimore with his hand injury, which is full. As for Washington, my God, I mean, it is one of the longest lists I've ever seen in my life. You got Deami Brown, their rookie receiver. He was out with a a knee injury. You got Antonio Gibson, their running back, shin injury. Curtis Samuel, groin injury. Brandon Scherf, knee injury. Cam Sims, hamstring injury. Jonathan Allen, knee injury. I mean, they have the CVS receipt this week in terms of injuries, which is kind of nuts. And before I get into what this might mean, disclaimer here. For the New Orleans Saints, I can't say for any other team. I don't follow every other team I can follow the New Orleans Saints. For the New Orleans Saints, though, I cannot look at an injury report and be like, well, this guy's not playing, so the Saints have a great chance of winning. Fuck no. I mean, when it comes to the Saints, it's the opposite. If the other team's banged up, for some reason, these guys are like, I already got this, and it's like a, they think they're going to waltz in the park, and that's not what happens. Instead, you end up on the losing side. Like last week, and I'm sitting here saying, Sterling Shepard's not going to play, Blake Martinez is not going to play, Darius Slayton's not going to play, Advantage Saints, wrong, wrong, wrong. So while the injury report is very interesting, and I do think that Washington got really banged up against Atlanta my lord I refuse to look at the injury report and use that as a reason why I might say that the Saints could win a certain game because man I've given up with trying to think that that's ever going to work whether it's the Cam Jordans going up against a backup offensive tackle or the Saints do not have to play against this playmaker today it always backfires so I'm gonna just ignore it I'm not gonna get too much into it can't blame you guys I'm just going off history and that's what history tells me so Let's get into this Washington game. My Lord, this is the must-win one. There was two games for me that I kind of felt like were must-win this year. Actually, just one. Now this is the second one. The New England one for me I thought was kind of must-win territory for the Saints to kind of prove what they can be, especially after that bad loss to the Panthers, and they rebounded well. And I've always kind of told myself the NFL was always how do you respond. I know adversity is going to hit you right in the face, and there's nothing you could do about it sometimes. It's just going to absolutely bitch-slap you in the NFL. But how do you bounce back? And for the Saints in week three, man, they bounced back pretty well, especially the defense with what they did to a New England offense. Which, by the way, Mac Jones looked pretty good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense in a goddamn monsoon. So do not discredit that win over New England. That was a good team win by the Saints. And defense balled out against Mac Jones, who looked good the following week. How did the Saints, after losing to the New York Giants, bounce back against Washington? That's obviously going to be the story that everyone's going to talk about. That's what everyone wants to know. And for me, I think this is going to tell us a lot about this football team. If they can show once again, like they did in week three, that when they lose, they can collect themselves and they can get back off the mat and they can deliver this time a potential death blow or knockout punch. I think that is something to say about this New Orleans Saints team. And man, I've had so many things to say about this team. And I'm still under the belief that I don't know whether they're coming or going every week because there's no consistency with the 2021 New Orleans Saints so far. But man, if they show me that they go win this game, the one thing I can tell you Saints fans for the rest of the year is that when adversity hits this team, when they do fall down, I feel pretty good about them about them getting back up. Excuse me. And I think that is something for the Saints that I'm going to watch. So my outlook for this game as a whole, what are some storylines to watch? Well, for starters, let's get into this D-line, man. Washington's O-line had, I believe, four offensive linemen last week who didn't give up a single pressure against the Falcons. Now I know they went up against the Falcons. We can make our Falcons jokes all day. But... That is a key factor. I don't care who you're playing up against. If your o line's not giving up pressures, man, you're going to be sitting pretty. And Taylor Heineke was sitting pretty damn pretty in that pocket on Sunday. So for the Saints, you got to get pressure. And that's obviously been a huge problem for this team the whole season. I mean, week one, yeah, they got pressure on Rodgers. Week two, not much, but there was a Peyton Turner flash. Week three, obviously, I thought they were fantastic. And then week four, Daniel Jones was the goddamn offensive player of the week this week. I'm going to say it again. Daniel Jones was the offensive player of the week this past week. That's a problem. And I'm not here to rip Daniel Jones, although I've done that in the fair past. I am here to rip the fact that the Saints let Daniel Jones sit back there and read the New York Times before he decided I'm going to throw the ball to Kadarius Toney. That's a problem. So I think for the Saints, you got to get better at that. Obviously, I could say it so many times, they'll be better when Davenport comes back and when he's back for, what, two games? And then when Anyamada comes back, that will obviously help them. is a stud. But there's no more waiting for him, waiting for him. It's go time for the Saints defensive line. you got to manufacture some type of pressure, whether it's interior stunts, whether it's blitzing with Demario or blitzing with Malcolm Jenkins off the edge. Find something to get pressure because you can't go a second straight week with not getting pressure on the quarterback because then, guess what, guys? That's how your secondary is going to get exposed. If you're going to let your secondary hang out to dry every snap, yeah, the guys like Lattimore and the guys like Adebo, they're not going to ball out the way we want them to. So for the Saints, Paramount, Got to get pressure. That's a storyline that I'm going to watch. And I think if you're the Saints, it's put up or shut up time for guys like Cam Jordan. Even Peyton Turner. I mean, I, again, I love the kid. He's got to be a little bit sharper, although he's a rookie. So we we obviously are going to grade him on a different scale. And Carl Granderson, if I had a dollar for every Carl Granderson video that came out in the offseason about him with his fancy spin moves, I'd be a pretty wealthy man. So I, for Carl Granderson, how about this game? Insert yourself. Obviously, he needs to get more snaps to be able to do that. But this is a perfect game where Saints are going to need to pass rush and maybe a guy like Granderson can step up. That's something that the Saints can desperately use. The most consistent D-lineman for me has been to no passing. You know, I think he's been a standout guy for them. So I expect him to show up. Can Cam show up? Can Granderson show up? Can we get week two Peyton and Turner? That would be a big plus for this team. So I'm following how they do defensively, especially in the trenches. Another thing I want to watch, man, can we start getting Alvin Kamara the ball as a receiver? I, I never thought, I, look, I thought there'd be a lot of issues with this team offensively because they're going through a phase of, hey, it's from Breeze to Winston, and obviously you don't have the receivers that you want right now because Michael Thomas is hurt, on Smith is hurt. So you're entering this weird phase, and you lose Jared Cook, you lose Emmanuel Sanders. But man, if you told me that Alvin Kamara would have 10 catches through four games, I'd be laughing in your face. I'd be like, there's no freaking way that a guy who always gets at least 80 catches a year is going to have 10 catches through four games. But lo and behold, that's what he's got. And I think for the New Orleans Saints, man, it's time. It's time to figure out what you can do with Alvin Kamara as a receiver. And I know that every other defense is one priority throughout the game is stop 41 at all costs. Do not let 41 beat you. So I get that. And I do think that that factors into why Alvin Kamara is not balling out as receiver. But you got to look his way sometimes. You got to scheme up plays. I see the Chargers on Monday Night Football come out with amazing plays for Austin Eckler as a receiving back. And I'm just like, why can't we get that for Kamara? Because one-on-one, I'm sorry, you can be the best linebacker in the business. I'm going to take 41. I'm going to just uh, just assume that is going to win that matchup. So if you're the Saints, man, get the ball to Kamara in space. Get the ball to Kamara as a receiver. Find those one-on-one matchups that you know he's going to win because God knows Adam Troutman right now isn't going to win them. So Alvin Kamara, as a receiver, get him going. And it's also a two-part thing. Not only does it help your offense, you're helping him with his workload. Because I know we don't want to talk about it, guys, but right now Alvin Kamara's on pace for 331 carries. He's never had more than 194 in a season. That is nuts to me. So for the Saints, it's a two-parter. Alvin Kamara's receiver, super lethal. Alvin Kamara's receiver, less physical toll on the body because it's way easier getting hit by corners and safeties than it is getting hit by those 300-pound defensive linemen. So two-part kind of solution for the Saints team, get Alvin involved as a receiver, please. It's also going to help out Jameis Winston, guys. And isn't that the name of the game? Making life easier for your quarterback. Get Alvin Kamara, the ball's receiver, please. And thank you. Now, one more thing I want to see. Jameis Winston, man. I I thought Jameis Winston had his best game last week. I thought that, you know, everyone will talk about the five touchdown game because it's the one that got you the most fantasy points or it's the one that looked the most impressive. But man, I thought Winston had a lot of big time throws. I thought Winston threw the ball down the field extremely well to Jawan Johnson, a couple to Callaway, a couple to Harris. And now I want to see if there's a carryover. And I think he's saying all the right things about if there's trust issues. He's saying all the right things about bouncing back. He's saying all the right things about the win matters more than the individual success. And, man, you love to hear that. You absolutely do. And I'm not going to worry about Winston saying the wrong things. He's been saying the right things. So now that he's saying all the right things, and he showed us that he can do it last week, is there an encore to this? Because that was the first game I left, and I thought, man, the one guy I'm not going to blame for this loss, absolutely not going to blame is Jameis Winston. I thought Jameis Winston played very well against the Giants. So does he have an encore in store? And I know everyone's going to bring up Washington's defense. And they are loaded with talent on the defensive line. They got help in the secondary. They got good linebackers. But guys, I'm just going off what I've seen. And through the first four weeks, Washington's defense has not been good. They've not been playing up to their standard. They're averaging, giving up an average of 30 and a half points per game. That's a lot of points to give up. A lot against offenses like the Giants and the Falcons. Now, I know they've played the Chargers and the Bills with two great quarterbacks in Herbert and Allen, respectively. But, man, this is it. Like This is a good showcase for the Saints to kind of see what this offense can do, especially after building some second-half momentum against the Giants. Now, I know it all faltered in the end because the Saints ran to Taysom Hill play one too many times. But I do think that this offense showed a little bit of promise. And if you're there and you're watching this game and there's storylines to follow, well, how does Jameis look? Can he rebound? These are all things that I'm looking at as a Saints fan, and I'm trying to see, can the Saints get better at that? Can the Saints build off that? And it all kind of starts with letting Jameis Winston cook, and I know a lot of Saints fans love to use that term, and I'll bet my ass that I'm going to tweet it during the game at some point, let Jameis cook, but when Jameis Winston plays as well as he did in terms of efficiency, big-time throws, that's something pro football focus loves to use, and that's one of the rare stats they put out that I like. When Jameis Winston makes all these big-time throws, you want to see what comes left. You want to let him marinate, and I think that's a big thing for the Saints, especially when you go up against Washington, who, by the way, can put up points with Antonio Gibson, with Terry McLaurin, with the guys that they have on that offense. Winston's going to have to do his thing, and I, and I think against Washington, a defense that has not played as well as they should be playing, why not? Why can't this be the week for Jameis to have another big game? And, and honestly, the one thing I'll say about this, if it's not trust issues, then the Saints don't trust their playmakers. And if the Saints don't trust their playmakers, well, man, guess what? I'm not the one who kept saying that I like the guys in the room. That was Sean Payne who kept saying they like the receivers in the room. And, and frankly, the talent there is just not good right now. So I want to see what they do with Jameis. I want to see if they get Kamara involved, a receiver. And I want to see if this defensive line can finally show up. So those are three factors. As far as one-on-one matchups, you're looking at uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen versus Cesar Ruiz. That can be a headache for the Saints. You're looking at Chase Young versus James uh, James Hurst because, man, that could be an issue too. And then you're looking at McLaurin versus Lattimore, two Ohio State products. And, man, McLaurin looked really good against the Falcons last week with over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So you pay Lattimore the big bucks to shut down receivers. This is the week that you're paying the big bucks for. So McLaurin versus Lattimore absolutely should be a fun one. Now, before I give my prediction real quick, I decided every week I'm adding this now. I'm going to do a little segment real quick. You're on notice. That's what it's going to be called. And you know who's on notice? It's Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman's a dude who I went to bat for. I loved the pick when the Saints made him out of doubtment, out of Dayton, Dayton, excuse me. And I thought when they added Troutman, I thought he would bring another element to this offense. I thought, hey, here's this tight end that the Saints have been looking for. He can block. He can make plays down the field. He has good yard after the catch ability. There's a lot of factors to like Troutman. Well, I thought as a rookie, considering Jared Cook was the main receiver and Josh Hill was the main blocker, I thought 15 catches for 171 yards and a touchdown was pretty good for Troutman. I thought he was an exceptional blocker and I couldn't wait to see what he was going to do in year two. And now year two has come and we're through the first quarter of the season and Troutman's got four catches for 21 yards and the biggest play he's made this year is a holding penalty that brought back a Kenny Stills touchdown from a beautiful throw from Jameis Winston. And by the way, the next play was a Taysom Hill pick. So obviously it was just a double whammy. I'm not here to say I'm off the Adam Troutman bandwagon. I'm not here to say Adam Troutman's a bust. I'm here to say that Adam Troutman's got to step up now because before you know it, you're running out of time. And I know that fans are going to say it's just week five, but man, how many more weeks are we going to say that Adam Troutman has another game that he could show us something when he's not showing us anything? So I think for Troutman against Washington, which is down a linebacker in John Bostic and is also just, honestly, again, like I said, been a susceptible defense, I think that this is a week for Troutman to step up. And if it's not now, when are you going to do it? Because frankly, Jawan Johnson has been a better receiving tight end. And guess what? Nick Vanette is going to come back and Nick Vanette could be a better blocker. And all of a sudden you're looking around you're like, man, Troutman's not the best at blocking. He's not the best at receiving. So what do you have? And that would be the main issue. So for Troutman, man, it's time to step up. It's time. It's time. There's no excuse for it. Now's the time for Troutman. He's on notice for this week. Probably won't be on notice for next week, depending on how this game goes. Or maybe he will. And if he is. I'll just make it the weekly you're on notice Adam Troutman segment. But for now, first you're on notice, it's Adam Troutman. I want to see what he can do in week five against Washington. As for my prediction, guys, I have flip at this game. And so far, I've been terrible on picking Saints games. I knew that they would beat the Patriots. I felt kind of confident in that. I thought that they would beat the Giants. Although, what the hell happened in the last six minutes? Only God knows. And I felt iffy about the Packers and iffy about the Panthers and looking back at it, ob- obviously that didn't go well. How do I feel about this game? I think, as of today, I'm recording on a Wednesday night. Obviously, if you're listening to this Thursday morning, you're listening on live stream, obviously it's Wednesday night for you. Where I am right now, I would say that I am leaning New Orleans Saints. But I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be a game where, man, you're sitting there. There's a minute and a half left. Taylor Heineke's got the ball. And you better hope the Saints make a stop. And they didn't make one last week. I think they're going to make one this week. I think the Saints are going to win 20-17. to And I think we're all going to look back at this game and we're going to finally say there's one thing I know about this team. It might be inconsistent. They might not have a damn kicker. They might have a shit ton of injuries. They might not have no freaking receivers. But they know how to bounce back. And that's really important. So I think if the Saints can win this game, that would be pretty telling for what this team could be going forward. And again, if they drop this game... And you're two and three, and you're going in the bye week, and Seattle and Tampa Bay are waiting for you outside of that bye week. Well, good luck, Charlie. Seriously, that's all I got to say. So this is a pivotal game, a must-win game, I should say, for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm really interested to see how, see how they come out after they blew a game where Sean Payton took accountability, Jameis Winston took accountability, to the defense, like Malcolm Jenkins took accountability. So I think this is going to be a big week for the Saints. We're going to see what happens. I think they could win this game, 20 to 17, 21 to 17 around that ballpark. I do think it's going to be ugly, though. I do think Washington's going to give a good fight, and I do think it's going to tell us a lot about the Saints team and their ability to handle adversity. That's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Guys, I want to appreciate and thank all the one of you that came on live stream, gave your comments. We're still working on Twitter, trying to figure out how we can get those comments back online. Also appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast forum this week. Stay tuned for more content on Sunday. Once the game goes final, I'm hoping it's a victory recap. If not, I'll probably be here ranting and raving and complaining about something because, I've lived, I've gone to the point where all I do at this point is honestly complain. So we'll see what happens, but obviously I want that to be a victory recap and we'll see what happens when the saints go to DC to play Washington this week on Sunday and make sure you stay tuned for more content on the straight up saints podcast. You're listening to the straight up saints podcast.